Hello. Uh, thanks for coming to this session uh, on pitching from uh, script to screen. Uh, so uh, just a quick introduction to us. It's going to be in two parts. This. The first part is me, James, and Tom explaining how we pitch, um, which is quite, quite odd for us because we just sort of do it and trying to break that down for you. Um, there won't be a lot about like, how you write pitches. It's just more about the process of how we pitch things, which is particular to us. And then the second section is Tom's uh, hosting a Q&A with some uh, guests we've got invited along as well. So <laughs> we'll start. We'll start with who we are. Um, there's a probably explains our relationship. I'm Andy, uh, and uh, this is James, and this is Tom, and we're, the, we're all the uh, the MDs of Shiny Button, which is a scripted comedy production company that we set up together. Um, and th that's what we run. So it's a very grown-up job, which we never thought we'd be doing. Um, and part of that job is pitching to the channels, so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to show you some material. That material is, some of it is really top secret. Some of it is actively in development, so all I'd ask is please don't take a photograph of the screens and tweet it, else we might all get, get into, in a little trouble. We'll get into really big trouble. Yeah. Um, but hopefully it'll give you an idea of how we work. So how we're going to start is we thought we'd all explain how we started pitching. So obviously, we all work for a company now. We own a company, even, if we work for. Um, and part of that process, we have very good relationships with commissioners. And that's just time and experience. And there's no real shortcut to that we can offer. But what we thought we'd do is explain how, when we first pitched and had our first chance, what we did as a starting point. And then we can move on to show you how we pitch now. Um, so I'm going to actually ask Tom and James what was your first, how did you do that first pitch and what happened and what was the process of uh, Well, we were talking about it this week, actually, because we've just literally finished filming uh, late last night at 11 o'clock, so sorry oh, yeah, if we're we, a bit jaded. They just, just filmed finished. a pilot for BBC One sitcom, so James directed it, Tom performed, and they both wrote it, so yeah. excuse it. A bit It'll be on the telly October 13th. This is actually just us promoting the, the show. <laughs> we uh, have no intention of talking about how we pitched it, we just need you to watch it. Um, 9.30 BBC One, um, <laughs> tell all your... Tweet nice things. <laughs> um. But, um, uh, but yeah, but I, I guess... It's, it's the dream stage, right? BBC One, um, Saturday night, family sitcom with Thomas the lead and, and we've written. So we were talking about um, where we started in the first script that we wrote together and it was sort of seven years ago. So it's taken seven years to get where we are now to have the opportunity to, to, to do King Gary, which is, which is, uh, which is the uh, thing we've just and, uh, and, and when Andy's talking about relationships, the script that we had commissioned seven years ago, the first thing we did was with Shane Allen, before he was uh, sort of running Channel 4 Comedy, he was a commissioner there, and uh, he, he, I'd done a thing with James, James had directed his sort of first directorial thing. I had a small part in it. Um, I bumped into Shane in the toilets, and we had a chat. Um, not saying you have to hang around toilets waiting to meet commissioners. Um, <laughs> you do do that a lot. You do um, do that quite but, a lot. Um, but from there, he sort of backed us in uh, the uh, sort of evolution of us as a sort of uh, a double act now with Andy. Um, sort of seven years later, we've, we've just written this thing sort of for BBC One. So, so that relationship is, is sort of like continued really with Shane. It's a sort of very important thing. But sort of, you know, now Shane has sort of been, you know, with, with Murder and Successful and stuff like that. He was very much like, look, what do you guys want to do? But seven years ago, it was sort of very much us having to do sort of a hard sell of yeah. we want to make something, we, we've got some ideas. Well, it's, it's opportunities, isn't it? And, and, and the opportunity that we got... I, I, what was it, um, Shimon, uh, we did a Bo Selector special 
um, called Shimomo Photoselector, and Tom had a cameo in it as John Landis um, in a spoof of the making of Thriller. And Shane Allen was uh, in the, uh, which was brilliant, and uh, Shane Allen came into the edit, watched it, and he was like, who's that big guy? He's hilarious. Um, well. And uh, he said, you should come in and have a chat. And so that was our window, our opportunity to go in there, and it was just a general chat. But we, we had an idea in our mind um, uh, about a sitcom about a warm-up guy, studio warm-up guy, on the, a guy on the peripherals of fame, a fluffer for the main act. Um, uh, and so we worked at it, and we worked at it. So when we went, went into that room, we went in there, we had a laugh, Tom was very funny, but we, we, we pitched him this idea, we sort of brought to life this, this character that we wanted to do this sort of tragic comedy about, and, and, and he gave us, I think he gave us like 10 grand to film like a little taster, and we were so eager and passionate, we filmed a whole 30-minute <laughs> pilot um, in two days, somehow, um, and, uh, and he was blown away by it. It was like, how the hell have you done that? Years later, we end up making Murder and Successful, which we filmed an episode in two days. So also made a Rod Fran back. <laughs> yeah. Now we've had any money to make stuff. because yeah, We're all skinned because we're known for making stuff for no money and no time. But I think um, that's the first sort of thing is to, to try and, and sort of always try and give, I guess, when you're pitching stuff and, and when you're pitching your idea, I, th I think um, we did it with Murder and Successful. I think we're going to get to that in a bit. But when we did Murder and Successful, we, the first time we pitched it was to ITV. Um, and we pitched it as a read-through, which uh, was the most weird way to, to pitch a sort of improvised show because it didn't really sort of come off the page. So the, the next thing was to sort of film something. And I think in the sort of modern age, if, you're, if you can sort of uh, give, give someone sort of five, ten minutes or half an hour of something that you, that you believe in, that's going to blow them away. We've made a, have we got that clip of Murder? Yeah, yeah, we'll, show, we'll, we'll come on, like, as we go through, we'll show you what we shot for Murder. You can actually see who's the most organised out But so, like, I think we're saying is when you start, it's more impressing. And to be fair, even, like, back then, like, when we go to pitch, we still want to impress and we still want to engage, and it's kind of everything you always hear, but it, it does work. So what happens for us is we, we will have a meeting with the channel and we will go into that meeting. But what we tend to do is we'll have an idea that we've worked through that we know pretty much inside out because what you kind of have to realize is you're going in to be really passionate and pitch and have fun in the pitch, but they're going to interrogate your idea. So you have to be ready with all the answers, even if you don't quite know what some of the answers are. But what, what we tend to do is we like create for ourselves like uh, a sort of treatment. And this is normally for ourselves. We don't tend to, this is how we work. We don't tend to give this at first in the meeting, but we sort of do it in our offices to try and you know, think about the idea, think about what they might ask us about it, think about why do you want to make it, because those are the kind of questions they're going to ask you. Even the people we know really well will still, because you know, they're going to give you money to make something, and they want to know... You know, have you thought it through as well? So we tend to, this is a document for a program called The Curse, which is for Channel 4, which has been commissioned, the script has been commissioned. Please don't tweet about it. Um, <laughs> but as you can see up there, and James can talk a bit about how you write these sort of treatments or what you want to get over in a treatment for yourself, yeah. I think. Yeah, so this is, this is, um, this is based on the true story, um, the Brinks Matt robbery in 1983, which was uh, the biggest gold heist of all time. Um, but it was a big, it was a big sort of mistake, really, because um, six armed robbers went in expecting to get half a million in cash, couldn't find it, couldn't get the vault doors, nearly left, and then stumbled across in the loading bay, 
uh, some grey shoeboxes, opened a lid, um, and they were full of 7,000 gold bars, worth like over 30 million. Um, and six of them get arrested, um, and the three sort of big criminals um, end up going to prison for 25 years, and the three idiots, basically, who got caught up in it were left with all this gold and no idea what to do with it. So that's sort of the basis of the idea. It's a collaboration I mean, with Tom. Yeah, I mean, I um, don't know how much of this we can give away. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. Definitely don't put this out, because no, no, it's no. very, yeah, top secret. Um, yeah, keep that moving. So, but it's a, collabor um, a collaboration of talent and, 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 and writers, um, um, and, it, and it's about packaging things. Um, where we're at at the moment, it's not only having an idea, it's, uh, it's also who's in it, you know, rather than just sending a script or a treatment cold, I think it strengthens it if you can package it, if you can package it with um, actors, comedians, whatever the genre is, directors even, um, rather than just a script, it's about the package. The, m the more that you've got up front, then the easier it's going to get over the it's line. It's basically in the examples like in that one. We put examples of the people we'd like in it, and you basically, but, but all of that, these guys did with the idea. But when we went in and, you know, we spoke to uh, Jack Bales, who's at Channel 4, who James, this is about the bit where you, there's, sometimes there's no shortcut, and Jack and James have worked together long before this, and some of our com friends are commissioners, and that's a sort of shortcut that we have with them. But like we would talk, we, ha we have this kind of, we go in and talk about something passionately, but what you don't know is what the channels are after, and there's no way you'll ever really know. They might have just had a meeting saying, we don't want anything set in space or anything set in a certain thing. So when you come in, we always have this thing where we call it our like back pocket ideas. So when you go in, obviously don't go in with 25 ideas, everyone knows that, and just rattle through them. So we go in with sort of two or three we've really thought through, but we always have one in our back pocket because they might sort of explain. So Killing Grandma, for example, is we were speaking to Sky. Uh, we were just going to meet them, and they actually said to us, actually, we're not looking for what we did before. We're looking for something that's got a bit more darkness in it, a bit more edge. And we were like, oh, actually, in our back pocket, we've got something we've been working on. And then that dialogue happened. So one of the techniques we use, which, you know, different ones, is we go in with three really well thought through ideas, but one of which we sort of keep, we think, is a bit of a wild card, and actually always tends yeah, to be. Yeah, we, we, we actually went into Channel 4 to to talk through uh, a Western idea, um, and uh, we went in, talked to Channel 4 about this Western idea. The first thing that the commissioner said was, we've already got something high concept, a Victorian detective detective series which we've invested in so we're not looking for anything high concept so straight away not that they didn't like the idea um, but they'd already had something that was high concept so that it's just not interesting it you know the commissioner can't get it over the line even if he loves it um, but we had in our back pocket the curse idea which was um, which was this bank heist in the 80s um, about a load of sort of feckless crooks so we had that as a backup we then pitched that in the room um, and and then sold that, got that away. So it's it's being prepared for those moments, yeah. I guess. Where I, th I think as well that the, the main thing as well, and going back to sort of where we are now, we're very fortunate that we're, you know, we we have a number of things sort of that we've made and we've done. If you're starting out, um, it's you're not necessarily going to be able to, well, as you can see, the guys from people just do nothing, or um, so you not might not be able to attach the people you might necessarily want to work with. I think the, the, the biggest thing is, for me, like when you look at the treatments and you look to the ideas that we had back then, is to find, um, find a story that you want to tell. Find, you know, have another one in your back pocket, but make sure the actual, the, when you're walking into that room, you're going to wow them 
that they're going to, at the end of it, they're going to think, I want to know how that ends. I want to, you know, and it, it, it sort of, it's, it doesn't really matter. That's a side spot if, if you're going to sit and Rachel McAdams is going to be the lead or whoever is, what you really want to do is just have, have an idea that you know, you know the A, Bs and Cs of it. You know that the storytelling is going to be incredible. You know that the document you give them is going to, is going to have elements of the humour or the drama and the moments. So, so when you're starting out, I think that that's the, that's the main thing. When we first did Warm Up Guy, you know, we had a chance. I'd done a bit of TV warm up. We, we sort of ch spoken to a few warm up guys. So we sort of knew this, the story where we wanted to go with it. We didn't necessarily at that time. We didn't know who we wanted in it. We just, no, we just no. knew that this was a, a you know, and, and again with um, you know, Murder and Successful, um, which is probably the most bizarre thing you could ever pitch. But still, we knew what that was. We so, you know, James had an, you know this sort of way of it being like this sort of like film noir look. We knew the silliness. We knew that so because of our passion, how we wanted it to be, that straight away that that played to them. So they they knew that they could kind of trust us. And sort of seven years down the line, that trust has grown. But you have to kind of I think from from early on set your store out stall out and say, look, this is what I'm going to make. This is what I want to make. Yeah, that might change over time, but. If you're at the early stage of your career, the main thing is that treatment and that vision, I think. And actually knowing it inside out. I remember with murder, we, you, you, you get some, you get people, you know, people ask you questions where you think, what a stupid question. So like on murder, somebody said to us, I think, someone we pitched it to went, oh, it's set in a town. We've got lots of things set in towns. And you sort of think, yeah, everything's set in towns. <laughs> um, but obviously you can't say that. That's what you say in your head. Uh, and then you go, well, uh, actually, this town's really interesting because, and you know it inside out, so you can sort of weave through. Yeah, there's definitely one tip. Is don't I mean, I think go, like don't have a go to bullshit. Don't it's, have a go uh, Yeah, don't we? Um, so what happens then, to keep on the process, so obviously we've gone in, we've talked about an idea, they like it. That treatment I showed you earlier for something, what we tend to do then is go back and deliver that in a better way. Because they, one, they need something to be able to, which is interesting to know, is you've got to make them passionate about it. Because part of the process you don't understand, and we discovered as you go on, is it's only one end part of the chain. You pitch it to someone, they've got a whole other group of people they need to pitch it to, and you're not there. Which is kind of weird, really, but it does happen because they need to get schedulers, everyone on board saying, I like this idea. So you give that passion to them, they pass it on. But what, what helps is we give them really detailed treatments then, so they've got all the information they need, because you might not be in the room when they're talking to someone who runs a channel and things like that. So what we tend to do after that is work out the, you know, answer some of that. They might give us some questions, work out some of those questions they've given us, and then these guys all work out um, what to do next. So I'm going to show a quick, this is a, a, our wall at Shiny Button. Um, and this is basically the process that James and Tom will go through when they need to turn the idea into a bigger idea to give back to the channel. You know, what's the arc? Where's it going? Um, do you want to speak yeah, a little yeah. bit about I how mean, you do that? Yeah, I mean, you start with sort of a one-pager treatment where you just want to be able to sell the idea in, in, in a couple of sentences. And if you can't do that, there's a problem. Um, and then slowly reveal more detail and character breakdown and, and a vague idea of what the story arc. And then once you get past that, then you may need to do a detailed treatment um, that, 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 
that breaks down what happens in each episode. So, so there is six episodes, um, and the A, B, and C stories, the characters' stories across those six episodes, and how it how it unfolds. So, um, so for the curse, the bank heist thing we're doing for the western that we're doing, which is eight one hours for um, for a Sky Atlantic, it's it's breaking down that story in a more detailed treatment before you then get the commission on the script. It's try. I mean, it's we try and make this and they do outsides, but it's it's basically and also what we want to try and get from you guys is there's nothing. If you're brilliant at ideas and writing and stories and you have like brilliant talent involved, but I mean, you know, this is this is like the creative admin side and it's really important, but like anyone you can do that. That's what we kind of want you to know as well. It's not it was really hard putting this together because when we broke down what we do, like we do it all the time and you sort of think, oh, it's particularly boring, but you're like, there's cards on walls, there's creativity, there's characters, but you know, it's not, nothing that you can't do. It's, it's everyone can do that in this room as well. So I think part of what we wanted to tell you is, you know, things like that, that's just hard work on a wall, basically. Yeah, and it takes time. It's like the script we've written for King Gary, the, the sitcom BBC One, is probably one of the best things that we've written, but we've written eight scripts before that, and, and um, you know, we've got better, and you learn, and as long as you keep going and you learn as you go, you know, some of them got commissioned, some of them didn't, some of them were pilots, some of them weren't, and it's just, it's just a process that you, you get better at. Um, and one thing we found from doing it as well, we, we learn as well. So, you know, for example, this is a process we go through with a lot of UK channels. We've also, we pitched to Amazon and Netflix, and actually they're way more scripty based. So actually, we found a lot of time, you know, we'd spend our development money on treatments and shooting stuff, but actually there's people that just want to read scripts. And actually we'll go from sort of Americans. script to an entire series and give you loads of money, but... Well, and know, they don't even do a pilot. They don't even do a pilot. So, we're, you know, even as us as a company, we're learning, like, okay, that's a very different process from this process, which is with people we know really well and, you know, guide us through it. And, and also, this is a really good process for figuring out your idea. And there's times when Tom and James have written these story arc documents and then they've come to the... trying to work it all out and then go, oh, that bit actually doesn't quite work and we want to change it. So it's all really important to know the ins and outs of everything you do. But also, that, you know, when you, once you've got all this down, the sort of main thing is, so this is the level now where everything you see on the wall there is where we are kind of written up in full with Channel 4, with the, with the curse. So that sort of, that work now is something that they'll be looking over as sort of, that's the sort of the whole idea, basically, in, in a nutshell. Um, but this, this is something that we sort of, we slowly started picking up really after sort of a little bit of time of sort of like, you know, knowing the end of the story is so important when, you know, obviously every like project you do is going to be different. But once we started doing something like Action Team that runs on a sort of arc and runs with a sort of big ending, you kind of have to know where it's going to end up. So, so it's an important thing. I mean, this has, I guess is yeah, like a stage two, yeah. a stage three. Yeah, well, but also the the thought in it, the thought that we put into that means that <laughs> when you when you are in a room with the commissioner, you just talk you talk about it passionately because you know everything about it. So you've thought about you know, so you can get them excited and they can feed off of that because you you know you thought about every avenue you you you, you know you bring alive the characters and um, the the more thought um, that you've put into the idea, then when you have that chance, you can really. 
really brilliant. And, and I think also, we, we didn't say earlier, which is all of this. Oh, so no, no, I would say, we, we, we also like have kind of fun in pitches. We don't kind of go in and sort of list everything that's going to happen. We kind of... Tom mainly takes the piss out of him. He does, <laughs> um, uh, he's probably doing that. Works so far. He does a really far, weird but, um, voice that he says is my voice, which isn't, but he does it in the No, but, um, but I guess that's the thing as well, is, as you were saying, is to make sure you're, again, you're telling a story you're excited by. I remember... Uh, very early on in my career, going in to meet various production companies and being told you could work with them, you could work with them, and then going to meet commissioners. And, and the reason that Murder and Successful became Murder and Successful is it, it felt like something I could be excited by. I think sometimes you can sort of fall into a trap, whether it's an entertainment thing or whether it's uh, scripted, whatever you're doing, uh, of thinking, what are they after? What do they want? So you sort of start you know, building something that you're not that passionate about, you don't really care about. Um, and then you can find yourself in two or three years making that thing that you don't really care about. But I think if, if you, if, as James says, if you read about it, if you immerse yourself completely in something, if you if you believe truly in that, then then it, every moment of it should be a joy. I mean, Andy said that writing this, I never find this boring. If I'm honest, I find this almost the best part of the whole job is is sitting with James in a room and building that story because you become like a kid again. It's nice when you take it down. It's a really nice moment. I say outside sometimes, you just hear it coming out of the room. <laughs> just Tom being different people and, and, and laughing. And we make comedy and it should be funny. I mean, when I first started and used to pitch, I was always told you should use PowerPoint. It's one of the most boring things. I mean, you know, as Tom would say, I've got quite a monotonous voice anyway. So me doing a PowerPoint, however exciting <laughs> it is, it's much better to sit and talk and engage. And, and I think that's important. Um, to move on because we're trying a few times. So uh, after this stage, so you've kind of excited the channel, you've gone through this big process of working out what your series is to give back to them because they're going to have to pass it on to someone else and give you some money. Um, what tends to happen then is it can be different things, and a, a bit later we'll show you what happened with murder, but actually scripted it tends to be, certainly with us in comedy, like a read-through, uh, which is the next stage. So a read-through is when you start getting some casting together, hopefully, the people you want, and this is where you sort of present it to the channel, what they've asked for as a script, and um, what that, uh, so this is just, I mean, this is because I didn't know like the love of what people see. It's, it's like a room, the channels come, and they listen to the script, but what we tend to do, which James... I mean, it looks like someone's farted, <laughs> um, but I'll but, tell you now, it was very yeah, hot that day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, <laughs> it looks like I've farted, because I'm the uh, only one who's not doing um, that. But James will talk a little about how we even try and make that process different from other people. It's very particular to us. Well, yeah, yeah always trying to do things differently. We, we, we try to anyway, murder, murdering successful is symbolic of that. But yeah, read-throughs most of the time is, is it's like reading a school play out at school. It's all a bit sort of <laughs> bland. Um, but um, most of the time it's just people sat around a table and it's quite stale. So what we try and do is just create more of a sort of mini play environment so we have four chairs at the front a semicircle of actors at the back and each scene if it's your scene you step up and perform the the scene um so you can bring it to life with with the characters that you're in in that scene and it just gives it energy and 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 and, and helps quite a stale thing um yeah it's better for the actors as well because it just sort of brings it alive more and i think if you are sort of starting out and and I'm sorry if i'm generalizing because i don't know where everyone is and at your career at the moment, but actually a read-through is kind of a, an amazing thing to do. If you have an idea, if you have a script, if you've worked on something that you can turn around and think, well, you know what, I, I could put this on if you can attach a production company maybe, but even if you can't do that and you hire a space, 
you can somehow get a channel, you can somehow get someone along to watch it. You can, you know, even if that's that's the stage that you're going to get the like the, the production company in. But actually, I used to sort of like sort of brush them off a little bit, read throughs, but slowly and surely, they're sort of as a writer, as a producer, as as as, as sort of a talent, you can you can see how how important they are to sort of see how your idea works, how everything sort of plays out. But also for someone watching, they they get again that tone, they get how you're going to play things out, how the jokes work. Sometimes there's stuff on page that you read, and you you know. I've read scripts that you think, oh, that's never going to work. And then you hear it out loud, and it's the best thing you've ever heard. So actually, if you're sort of early in your career, that's it's another way of, of, of getting people in to hear something and, and, and sort of taking it up that another level, and it's not going to cost you the earth. Do it in your front room. And, J and James and Tom, is, uh, they're very, like, collaborative writers as well. So I think a lot of what I see with their process is, you know, when ta talent we're working with come in, that feeds into the script as well, and they feel engaged because they've got suggestions. And some people don't do that. You have some writers who I know where they go, no, this is it. It's going to be just this, exactly this. And you're like, oh, word okay. for word. Yeah. Word for word. Uh, but we're, I think as a company, what we like to do is get people involved and work Let, with yeah. us. Yeah. Let funny people be funny is, is one of our rules. Um, and if you've got a great cast, then they could have a funnier joke or a funnier, funnier line, so be open to that. Um, and we're always editing, so even in those read-throughs, we do, do a couple of run-throughs before the channel come in, um, and we'll be editing, we'll be taking bits out, we'll be improving it um, uh, until you do it. Um, and a good bit of advice is if, if you're in that situation is just to get on with it and do the read-through, because some people do big speeches at the top. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the worst thing you can do if you get a producer a window, that, uh, that wants to basically make it all about themselves. Um, Andy, uh, we've had to quell that. Often used to do a few jokes and a little dance at the top of everything, and... Uh, yeah, we, we've stopped that now because, uh, yeah. Um, Just get on with yeah, it. Yeah, it, it made everyone feel uncomfortable. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> we carry on. So once we do our read-through, so for example, King Gary, written by these guys, Tom performs amazing. Actually, that afternoon they rang back and said they wanted the pilot, which is amazing and great. And we all went to the pub and celebrated which is the good side of it as well. But, but what happens after the read-through is sometimes you might have a final stage. When we did Action Team, Action Team was a massive spy spoof drama with explosions and everything. And they were like, okay, we love the script. We've seen the read-through. Can you even do this? So not so much with you know, more straightforward stuff, but certainly with that, we had to then go back, work out like the budget, where we were shooting it, how we were doing it, and that was like the final bit of the package. Because you, when you've got that far, what you realize is you've just got to get over the line, and that means your money is in safe hands. This is how we are going to do it, and it's a list for them. So they've got everything. They've got a really brilliant script. They've got a story arc. They know who's in it. They've seen a brilliant read-through. They've given their notes, and they've got the final package. And like, that seems like a lot, but step by step, you know, it grows like that. But that's the reality of like, if you want to get, to get something made, you know, there's there's a lot of work that has to go into it, like fun work, like Tom said. So that's kind of what happens. But sometimes, like you said, the best lesson is to keep going. So what I'm going to show you now is murder. So murder, as Tom said, we did a read through for a channel, and it didn't quite work. We were really unambitious. In the yeah, it was, really, it was the most cringeworthy part of my life, actually. It wasn't that. Was it was it? terrible. Oh, right. um, Your whole life. Your we whole had Mark life. Mark Wright <laughs> at the time was trying to pitch that it would be me and him doing a double act as cops, like the Sweeney. Um, yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, it was hard to improvise. And that, that in a room. And read throughs are great if you have a script. If you don't, don't do one. 
because, uh, yeah, <laughs> so, big old crocodile. There's, there's a part of it that, and so partly pitching, like Tom says, like, take, you know, some people shoot things. So what happened is the BBC asked us to do a run-through when we pitched it to them. And we said, do you mind if we just take that money and just shoot a little bit? So this is the first the first little, it was really, this is just an example of Sleep the Character. It's not an example of what James brought to it, which was the final world. It was just to show them that this character can talk to people and you can keep laughing in and it works. So this is the taster we shot. Oh. So we carry it a lot. We've got to wrap up. So basically, we shot that, then went back, and they went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that explained way more about the show than a read-through did. So, so this final little bit is, so what we've tried to tell you is the process of how we work. But also, what's important is, we as a company, we really believe in helping new talent and new writers. So one of the things is, what you've learned from that is kind of applies to you if you want to come to us, if you want to pitch an idea to us as a production company, because you think, well, those guys can at least get it to Channel 4. It's sort of similar process. You've got to make us like what you want to do as much as so then we can pass it on. But why that's there is that's our email address at Shiny Button. And if you have something you're passionate about of and you want to talk to us, um, there it is. Um, we are a small startup that's done incredibly well, so we're incredibly busy. But we do, one of our big passions, I think the three of us, we all came from working class backgrounds. We all got to where we are and we want to help other people get to where we were. We're very passionate about that. So there's our email and uh, I think that's that's really it. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, and I just think that taster there is, you know, making stuff really helps. So pitching a script is one thing, but it, it, it doesn't cost a lot to, to film a scene, you know, and, and it, back then for a warm-up guy, um, you know, we had that opportunity and we, we made that <laughs> half hour taster in two days. But it to make something to help sell your idea, to help sell your script. People can watch something that's five minutes long rather than reading a 30-page document. If you'd done that moment in, in, in a read-through or a pitch document about Westlife, um, no one would have got it. <laughs> thought we were insane. So it, that helped. And, and, and three years later and, and everything that, you know, Mel successful is, that, that all really started with, with having something that could say, right, this is what we want, this is what we want to do. So if you can... Yeah, do it. I think we're going to now bring on a couple uh, of people yeah, so who might be a bit more learned than us. Um, <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs> That's interesting. And we'll be, well, me and Tom will be around a little bit after we're here if you want to just quickly grab and ask us anything that we haven't covered. That's interesting. Um, That's just Andy guys. saying it's Saturday night. He's got nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyone wants to hang out, go and get a drink. He's, yeah. You can see how this is how we pitch. This is my um, people commission off. Uh, so, uh, Mary and Laura, do you want to come up? And now the hunter becomes a hunted. Um, I'm gonna do, I've got some questions. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. I'm so... so... This is me pitching my own chat show. Um, uh, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Say who you are, where you're from, what you do? Um, I'm not going to do it in a character. That was just me being there. No, no. <laughs> How far do we want to go with it? I know, yeah. Andy's just like, leading over. All right, mate. Keep it clean. Um, I'm development producer at Big Talk Productions. Um, so, yeah, been working there for a few, in, few years, three and a half years. And I develop loads of shows and produce the ones that get made. <laughs> Oh, well, great stuff. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mary Burke. I'm from the British Film Institute. So we work exclusively on films. I'm a senior executive in the film fund. So I make decisions about which films 
get funding for development and which films get funding for production. Um, before that, I was a producer at Warp Films and made lots of films like Submarine and Barbarian Sound Studio, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you. Uh, well, we know who you are, Andy. So, um, so yeah, I have some questions here. Um, they might come across in a little note form until I find my feet. Um, but pitching can feel, it can feel quite a daunting process. Um, where, so it's everyone here, you're all quite early in your careers, is, is, is that sort of, is that pretty much, so where these guys are at the moment, it's quite a daunting thing, so what would be your advice at coming in to sort of chat to you guys and, and sort of uh, selling themselves, I guess? Don't, don't be scared. <laughs> um, we're just friendly people and we are after a good chat about something that you feel passionate about. It's not formal. Most of it is just having a cup of coffee um, and just talking about comedy, which we love, and we want to see that you love it and have ideas that you're excited about. So it should be fun. Yeah, yeah I always <laughs> think that's the, the best way to go for it. It's yeah, sort of informal, a coffee, a chat yeah. is, is a nice... Mary? I mean, I think it is fun when you come in to see us, but it is a bit more formal because um, I guess the good news is that we're open to all of you because we're an open access fund. And in order to get to me, you need to apply online um, via our portal in order to um, have your pitch be seen or your kind of application be seen by the development team. And then that's when we would meet you and it would be fun and casual and we would have coffee and tea, etc. But cakes. <laughs> sometimes cakes, you can bring the cakes, but please don't bring candy because that's really creepy. I always feel like, <laughs> think there's like needles in them, you know, like Halloween. I don't know. Anyway. Has anyone ever done that at a pit? Yeah, lots oh, of times. Wow. Bring those well, chewy ones. There we go. Don't take candy. Don't take sweets because you <laughs> will not okay. get a film commissioned. Um, <laughs> um, uh, and and what what is the best way of people getting in fr like in front of you? I mean, you were just saying it's sort of an application, um, and so I guess you're the similar. With, yeah, we with don't accept unsolicited unsolicited scripts um, just simply because there's like hundreds and hundreds of scripts that come in, and those are usually from agents. But what you were saying before about putting on a read-through, about putting on anything in like a fringe theatre, I often go to those most nights of the week. So that's a really good thing to do. Also, to put up shorts on YouTube, make a web series, that kind of thing gets our attention. So Yeah, because I mean, that's, for me, I think uh, people just do nothing. And, and I think sort of some of the biggest stuff that you see, um, uh, me and James sort of knew the guys from this country sort of before they were this country and, and, and we'd sort of seen their stuff. So it is, that's a really important thing. And, and does that sort of, I guess with, with films, if you've got a short or something that sits a, a that, that shows the work that you might want to do, does that help? Yeah, I guess it depends on who you are. I mean, we only fund projects that have producers attached in the first instance. So sometimes there won't be a director attached. So we don't have an expectation that, you know, there'll be a package like you were talking about. Sometimes that's a hindrance. We want, we want just writers to come in and tell us what their ideas are. Um, and, you know, the idea might evolve over time in the development process that a multitude of different types of directors could be attached to it. However, if there is a d director attached, obviously we look at the work. Um, if it's a writer-director, we look at the short films and look at, you know, that can be a, a web series, that could be television, it could be theater, it could be from all walks of life. And actually, uh, the things that excite me most are people who are coming from, like, different places than, than always just 
the what you would expect as the traditional film route of going to NFTS, coming out, doing your sh big short, then coming to us. I think something a bit more rad usually gets our attention. And that's half the battle, isn't it? I think when you when you're coming through, is to have something that is going to grab people's attention. We have like it's a bit. I mean, there is also like. A, luck involved in when something's sent if it's the right because as we all know there's so you do get a lot of ideas you do want people you, obviously you want to answer them all if you could but you simply are making stuff and so sometimes it's just if you send it at the right time and it gets through that's when then you think i've managed to get in so that's a really good opportunity then to make sure you've done like all your working out and everything like that yeah, we try to tr reduce the sense of need for luck within what we're doing because we want to make sure that there's several eyes over an application that, you know, we're public money. We don't want to be just funding our mates, yeah. you know, and people that we, we like, you know, <laughs> um, even though we want to like you. Uh, it, it's more about, um, it, it's not like we have a slate and we say, oh, we've already got like a Victorian period drama, so we can't have another one. It's more about developing for a second time, third writers and helping them really develop their voice. So uh, we have a lot of eyes on your application as it comes through before we meet you. So, so that sort of leads me on. So, I mean, we've all been in these meetings and, and I don't know how many people here. So how, I'd say that so much of it, and certainly in my career, personally speaking, is almost sort of selling yourself, you know, um, as a person, so you know, those first 10 minutes, 20 minutes, sometimes an hour of chatting and gossiping, but you are selling yourself. Um, how, you know, so some of these guys might be coming to you to sort of sell an idea. It, it, how long do you sort of have of like, right, who's this person, what are they about, before you get into the nitty gritty of what's your idea, what have you got? Do you, do you like to sort of know about, a little bit about who the person is? Sort of things, uh, yeah, could you work with them kind of thing? Yeah, totally, no one wants to work with horrible people yeah <laughs> so nice people get ahead um i was just thinking as you're talking about uh web series and stuff that people just put up online there's um an example we've had recently of a guy called sebastian thiel who put up some shorts on youtube proved that he didn't need an agent didn't need to go through all the hoops that he could get people to watch his shorts and that they were great they were baggy and they were like 12 minutes too long but we saw the potential in him and produced a BBC miniseries with him and now are adapting that for a Channel 4 drama. So that's a really good example of someone who didn't come through the NFTS route and proved himself. So before he even got through the doors, he had already said, look, look at me, I've already got thousands of views because I'm funny off my own back and that really got us attention. Yeah, it's an important thing that, I mean, I, I think that's another thing. We were talking about pilots and I think the more, whether you want to be a producer or a writer, the more you can actually be doing so. Even if people are never going to stick. Me and James used to make sketches of a weekend. We, we'd go out and do character stuff that would, people never saw the light of day. But what we were learning at the time is writing stuff that would, might not make it, might, you know, might not be that funny when you started saying it. But I was learning. I never had an education in front of the camera. I, I, I've got no qualifications. Um, so it kind of, that's where I learned my craft. So by the time it came to actually writing commissioned scripts, me and James had done enough by then to kind of go, right, we, this is how our relationship works, this is how we work. So, so with film, is, is sort of how much is that about the person? I mean, I think we have to kind of believe 
that there's an authenticity to whatever it is you're pitching, and we have to believe that you can deliver whatever it is. So if you come in and you're pitching some balls-out comedy and you're not funny at all, then, I, you know, it's really hard for me. Why did you look at me, then? I didn't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was an accident. It's because you do balls-out comedy. That's why. But, um, you know, it's, it would be harder for us to kind of um, want to take it on. Or if you're writing about something or want to make a film about something that's totally not your experience whatsoever, then... Um, uh, you, you need to be really convincing that you're the right person to tell that story. Um, and films need a reason to exist, unlike some television where, you know, you're fulfilling a broadcast menu slot. Films have so many different um, hoops and hurdles to jump over to get to an audience that they, they really need a purpose to exist. It doesn't mean we need to be your busy mate and that you have to have the best bands in the world. It just means that we have to believe in you and see something about in you that we can carry through in in all our support for you. Um, and I think also that's true when you're coming into us. Like sometimes we'll get people coming, not not that it matters, but someone might come and go, I want to do, can you help me do this hard-hitting documentary? And I will try everything, but actually we are a scripted comedy production company. It's a really e easy thing to say, but like, you know, sometimes we'll get stuff saying, we, we can't, I mean, we think you're brilliant, we can't help you with that. So. Another thing is make sure, you know, part of it is when you find someone who can grow you from YouTube clips is finding the right people who believe in you and can get your thing where you need to go is a really important thing as well. And, and also in that, I think in that first initial uh, meeting, knowing that part of the process is, is accepting notes from people yeah. like us and your sort of willingness to hear feedback within that pitching session and to like hear it even if you disagree is is part of just the process of us understanding how we might like be able to work with you so that all influences the decision about whether or not we take it on so yeah that was my, my next oh, question you've you've really teed me up lovely there mary um is so so when you're bringing in something and and you know you you you've got the sort of seedlings of a friendship uh, and you have an idea. Um, obviously, when you're sort of taking an idea to anywhere, it's something hopefully that you feel passionate about. And um, so, how many of so if you give someone notes uh, on an idea, um, how much of that then when you're when they're coming back to you on on sort of with the treatment or, or scripts, how much do that do you expect to, to sort of be done? Do you expect them to sort of come back and go, oh, I've done every note that you said, or do you would, do you sort of respect someone if they come back and say, you know what, I, I've done some of them but I actually don't think this works or that works. It's sort of, where do you sort of see it as best? Um, I think we'd be doing a really bad job if we expected our notes to be taken 100% on that. Exactly. <laughs> our job is to just facilitate and support the writer, so it's to enable their vision. If we started to put our foot down on everything, then you wouldn't see the writer's authored vision on screen, and it would be a diluted... I won't swear. But yeah. Um, <laughs> swear? I mean, I mean, it's an afternoon oh, The slot, moment's passed now. <laughs> no, don't just swear out of the blue. Oh. <laughs> okay. um, so yeah, I think that it's obviously, if, if, if a note would be, a, it, this is offensive and this is racist, then we would um, hopefully make exception for that. Well, I but think uh, it's more than just giving them a note. <laughs> 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 I really like it. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> a bit racist. Um, so, in, yeah, and we really love that discussion and getting into characters with a writer and just questioning them in order to hopefully make the characters feel more real and deeper. So it's a creative process, and it's definitely not the enemy lines of yeah. writer versus producer. Yeah.
Yeah, exactly. We, do, we wouldn't expect all of our notes to be taken throughout the development process. I think when it comes to the pitch itself, though, if there's something fundamental within the story that we can't see ever bridging, and there's a resistance to that, and we're just not going to be able to like come to terms with the kind of fundamentals of some of the story points that are what it, make it what the film is, then there's really no point in like continuing it. Whereas if you see something um, in a, a potential in something, because you know when people come in for pitches, they don't have the whole story on a film. It's not like you have all those cards like you guys got. It's more like they have like a kernel or like an embryonic sense of something they want to write and some characters that they want to write um, and hopefully understand the audience that they're writing to. Um, uh, if there's something fundamental within that that we have a question about and we think will we'll never work, then often we say, you know, just what doesn't make sense for us to kind of support you because it's too much of a, of a conflict. However, once you get past that stage and you're into the sort of script development, we'll give you lots of notes and there's no expectation that you take them all on, but we would think that you would welcome some support <laughs> of, of our expertise on how you know films get made. It's, it's like a dialogue. Like everyone says notes, but when notes are delivered well, they don't seem like notes. They're like we've you know Tom and James will go and pitch something, and I think we pitched something at Sky, and we got one note, and it was quite a big note change, character change, yeah, but yeah. it changed the whole story. But it was a really good note, and actually, I think it's it's more a dialogue. I've seen terrible notes, and I think it's. They shouldn't almost seem like no, someone saying, oh, I'm just wondering about this or I'm questioning that. So it's definitely not kind of them when I was, if you get good notes. Uh, so I think the thing about it is that collaboration is, is so important. I think that's the, is pick your people you want to, as I said earlier, you want to work with, that you think, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to buy into what they're selling. Uh, and that sort of goes a long way. I mean, is that important as well that they, so when someone's coming in with an idea, they know what their market is? They know what, what they're aiming for. They, they know, like, you know, and then how important is that for you as, say, development producer or producer, or are you as a sort of like a, a, someone who's a financer, you know, producer, how important is that for you to go, right, yeah, I can put you with this person. I might not be right for that, but this, this market might be, you know, one I don't know as much about. I think it's kind of our job to decide what market might suit their work and their ideas. So we, it's us to decide, okay, this is BBC Three, this is Channel Four, BBC Two. They don't necessarily need to come in being like, this is yeah. definitely a BBC One show. Um, but I think it's definitely useful to just for us to get a sense of what the writer wants, to understand what their taste is, to come with perhaps references of other TV shows they're really excited by and they feel akin to is useful. Does that answer? That was a great answer. Okay, thanks. Right answer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think it's impor important that the producer knows. I think the writers can kind of write and be in their most creative selves, but it's important that the producer can help shape a, a project during the writing process to find a market. Because in film, there's like, you know, that scale is so broad. You know, you could make something that will be, you know, on five screens in the Curzon, or it could be something that goes out on 500 screens and is sold internationally. So just knowing from the outset that you, the producer has an understanding of how to kind of shape the story to, to reach the sort of potential of wherever that writer is on that spectrum, whether they're a first-time writer or someone who's written lots of scripts, it's important that that relationship is dead solid because if it isn't, then that's when the confusion over what type of film you're making or like what you're aiming at really just goes awry. Um. Yeah, well, brilliant. Um, the, yeah. 
<laughs> well, it's such a strange thing, uh, asking the questions. But so, so guys out there, um, how many of you have done stuff and how many of you had sort of worked for free on stuff? Have you written stuff out? Just a quick show of hands, just so people might, might just... So, I mean, when I first started out, I, I worked for a, for a production company. I, I sort of, me and James wrote quite a lot of drafts of a thing for free, for nothing, the, sort of, and... I mean, where do you guys stand on something like that? Do you, I mean, I know the BFI are actually amazing at, from the very early stages, they like an idea of paying writers, which yeah. I think, for me personally, is, I, I think it's a very important thing to do, and, I, and actually... Big talker, brilliant, because I, uh, very early in my career, option idea and nurtured me out. You know, I work with them as a writer. So there are companies there who will take advantage out there. We as Shiny Button, we always make sure that we look after our, our writers because, you know, they're the people, they're the creators behind things. But so where do you stand with 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 that? If these guys are maybe been pushed into writing, sort of. So just to sort of give an example, I guess we we've got two young lads who are completely out of this um, industry. Um, who've come from sort of a similar background to mine. Uh, they've been working for a company who have optioned the idea. They've written a 47-page script, but they've not been paid a penny. Now, I'm not going to name any names, but I think that's abysmal behavior. But that is happening. And, and so for these guys out here, you know, where do you guys stand? That's, that's not right, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right, yeah, but yeah. yeah. No, no, because we both work for companies that are very, yeah, and yeah. Big Talk's brilliant for... But also, it's the, it's the industry at large that I think needs to look at that as a problem, because it is a problem in terms of perhaps smaller companies that can't help writers give them an option earlier on, and especially if they're first-time writers, it's hard to take a risk sometimes. But, I mean, we, as a company, feel that writers need all the support we can give them, and we, I helped set up Betty and Peter program, um, and there's others like it to help um, find and give £10,000 to help a writer make scripts and um, there's stuff like that like BAFTA Rockcliffe as well um, but it's hard it's really hard for a first time writer who hasn't written anything before because you also want to prove wait a minute I can write because otherwise we have no other proof to take a punt on you if we have no proof of the fact you can write not. So it, I mean, we, we do like you said Tom sometimes as well we can say look we can't give you this amount of money because you're improving what we'll give you. We always think we give you a not, like an um, amount of money because it's rude if we don't. But also we'll say, we've got some you know, offices outside Shiny Bottom. Why don't you come in and spend a few days with us as well, which is a valuable time that we do. Obviously, we're, we're paid, we don't do it for free, but we, we kind of go, look, we're here to help you and we'll give our time as well and you option your thing. And I think that's what we do. Um, and, and just as a sort of, because actually the, I think the BFR are one of the most incredible places. But in a sense, and this is for me coming from, from a very working class background, the, the fact that if you, you know, if you are in a middle or an upper class, the reason that sort of we have a, a wealth of writers from that background is because they might be able to subsidise their income or they might be... So, so are we alienating certain voices from who, who can't afford to... You know, I can only talk for myself, but I, you know, I was lucky enough to, to do stand-up in the evenings to then sort of slowly, you know, get into to this. But are we then... That's one of the things I, I love about the BFI is that you do back yeah, people from all over. we're trying to create opportunities for people from, you know different economic backgrounds um, and for people who don't live in London to be able to, you know, some people can't even afford the train ride to come down and sit in this talk right now. So, you know, we're trying to create UK-wide opportunities for people to be able to not only, um, well, we, we pay for everything from treatment to, through to script, uh, second 
you know, draft revisions and a polish and some, you know, money to do some casting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, once you're in development. But before that, when you're trying to put your pitch together, you know, we all know, you know, my nine-year-old daughter's making films for free on the weekends, whatever. There's kind of some sort of expectation of, of showing your voice. But we, we have created a program through what we call the network, which is... Um, a UK-wide kind of system where you can apply to work up a pitch. So even before you come in to meet with us, we've got like very small bursaries kind of grants for you to be able to like think, think through your story or work on a, a short film that will help you kind of develop your voice and give you a space to fail. And I think that's really important because, you know, yeah. you need to be able to fail many times before you get, you get the big gig. And some that, people that, can't afford to yeah. fail because they don't, aren't funded to do it. So that's part of the reason. But also, I think if you, um, yeah, I mean, I think without a doubt, that's probably, yeah, my biggest bit of advice going forward would be that, um, you know, as James said, we've written, I've written so many things, film scripts, and, and, and they've never gone anywhere. But learning how to lose is, is the most important thing. And it's, in, you know, to quote Rocky Balboa, um, <laughs> nothing's going to hit you as hard as life, uh, but it's not as hard as you can hit. <laughs> but it, and that is true. It's yeah. So so these guys here, and, and and I'm sure we've got people sort of who work in different. What what sort of things are you guys looking for? What would be the sort of things that, that excite you when they come in? Um, what, start with you, Laura. Um, <laughs> you look very keen to answer. <laughs> um, I hate to say it, but there just is. There's no formula. There is no formula that we're looking for, so there's no particular story we're looking for, genre we're looking for, although comedy helps. Um, so it really comes to the fact that you're bringing a story that has truth and that has characters that feel real and that perhaps give us an insight into a world we've never seen before and that you have all the excitement to go with that. That's really the only thing I can kind of use as the vague template, but otherwise there's no formula. I mean, in terms of genre, I would say we um, are often criticized for not having enough comedy on our slate. So if anyone's got a cinematic comedy they want to pitch, I would be happy to think well, about it. Well, that, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but really, we talk about um, uh, more globally looking, because we, we're not a brand, we're not Film 4, we're not BBC, we are the British Film Institute, we're here to serve you know, all of you. Um, but we're looking for difference in perspective. UK-wide voices, so people, you know, not necessarily based in the UK, and that's, you know, how part of how we prioritize our um, our funding. Diversity, you know, behind the camera, on the script, it, you know, on screen, all of those things, and that doesn't just mean the dire director, writer, and producer, it means all of the crew, people who are stepping up from, you know, being a cop or loader, you know, to being an AC or whatever. So those types of things are really important to us, both in production and if you can find training, training within development as well. Um, what else do we look for? I, I suppose those are kind of like the main things we look for, but, uh, but a sense of perspective that we haven't, we haven't seen time and time again because we need to sort of diversify the stories we tell about ourselves in this country. And I say ourselves, even though I know I have this accent, but you, you allow me. <laughs> Your hope. After we'll give 20, you that. <laughs> it's just stuff that stands out for us. We always go. It's something we're not expecting. And that makes us stop and then really listen. Because also, I think everyone along here will say, you know, you do hear a lot of things from different writers and you develop your own ideas. So it's that one that you think, we haven't got anything like that or anything that sounds like that. And I think that, that 
for us is something that makes us stop and think there's something, there's a seed there we can do something with. Right, so I'm out of questions. Um, uh, <laughs> so we, should we throw this out to you guys? Has anyone got any questions for anyone here at the back? Uh, my question's on production of films. Um, from looking on the BFI website, it seems as though um, you work with established producers. Um, to what, what, how would you describe, how would you define an a, um, established producer? Um, I can see how it might look like that from the outside, but we do work with a lot of first-time um, producers. And one way in which we think, I mean, when we say um, established producers, we mean someone who has worked on several films, but when someone comes to us new and they've never produced anything before, um, we, do, we don't say no, we just try to find a way in which we support them, and that might be um, putting some additional funding into the budget for them to have an executive producer that's done it before so it doesn't take anything away from them, but at the same time gives them an extra resource in order to like know how to close a finance plan, how to crew something up. It gives you the strength of all the relationships that you might need when you're looking for, for crew that you just don't know. Yeah, sure. Um, can that be the same person? So if you've directed, uh, well, sorry, if you've directed, but you've also done a bit of production, are you still eligible to apply, or do they need to be two totally different people? They need to be two totally different people because we need to make sure that the producer is fiscally responsible for the delivery of the film. I know that sounds really nerdy and boring. But actually, it's, we need to have one person that's responsible, and it's not—it's not a creative thing. Like you can be—you can be named as a producer in a way, but ultimately there has to be a producer who's in in charge of the delivery of the production. Thanks, mate. Anyone else? Here we go. Oh. <laughs> Hi. Um, if I heard correctly, you were saying. We could come to yourself with an idea, but you also said you don't necessarily need a director, but you need a producer. Do you need a producer when you have the idea, or have the idea, work with you, take it to script, and then come with a producer, or do you need a producer at inception point? Um, through, if you haven't written a film before, a uh, feature film before, you can go to the network, which is you know our first-time feature film space, and they will help broker a relationship with you to find a producer. Um, and the way that you do that is apply through the network website, which is, I don't know, off the top of my head, I think it's like bfinetwork.org.uk. But um, don't quote me on that, I think that's it. Um, anyway, and then they'll help broker it. But you, in order to, to apply to the development fund, you need to have a producer. Okay, and the same, same, following on from that question, if you're at the script level, could you then still approach the same people at that level and then they help broker a producer, or has it got to be you, you idea to, point? You need to look for a producer in advance of, of, of application because we can only, uh, the lottery rules say that we can only kind of fund producers um, rather than fund directors and writers. So it has to go through a production company. Okay, so, sorry, just not to be pedantic. So if I have a script, I can come to you at that point and then find a producer, or it's got to be idea. The, and the, then the producer needs to apply. The producer needs to apply. Yeah, with you okay. attached to the project. Okay. Or if it's just an idea, we can approach you, yeah. and then you can help source yeah. a producer. Okay. No, Is that you, correct? You, no. No, you need to apply to the BFI Film Fund yeah. with the producer attached to the project. Okay. But Even from idea point. Yeah. 
But okay. if you have an idea, yep. you can go to the network, which is which we fund as part of our team. But it's okay. just a kind of broader part of our team, not the not the main development fund. And it just means they'll help you broker a relationship with a producer. You can look at our vision awardees. They're um, kind of a list of all the um, producers that we've backed recently that are looking for projects. Okay, thanks. Thanks, mate. Uh, hello? Oh, someone. Yeah. Hello. 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 Um, my name's Owen. Um, I've got a question for the audience, actually. Just to say I'm a director. I'm looking for future scripts, ideally in horror, sci-fi, thriller. So if anyone wants to come and chat with me afterwards. Wow, look at him. There you go. Picture oh, my the picture sound. Well done. Um, loving that. Uh, uh, anyone else? Sorry, is it Laura uh, Big Talk? Is it? Yes. No, you, when you said that the uh, the YouTube short uh, was Sebastian Thiel, how how did you come across that short in the first place? Did it have like a million views, or did somebody refer it to you? Um, we actually had it referred to us by someone who was a friend of Sebastian's and was doing an internship at BBC. So it was actually like a serendipity situation. But he had. Uh, quite some thousands of views, but not millions, hadn't gone viral by any means. Um, they're called Just a Couple. You can check them out and see how they've then translated to BBC if you wanted to have a look at a case study. But, um, yeah, and we've had... I mean, people just do nothing started like that, too. And yeah, but that wasn't... That it was, was YouTube. Great. That was, it was, yeah, it was YouTube. Yeah. But it wasn't massive, massive. It was... Exactly. They sort of... Now it, it feels strange that it would, wouldn't have been massive, but at the time it was, it was sort of... I think it just gave you an idea of what it would be. We've just worked um, with um, Thomas Gray, who did the, in, um, the um, Gap Year sketches, and sort of we loved him. We thought he was amazing, so we've just financed him to do his his own show, um, which was about delivery drivers. But, but we just through YouTube, and it, it you know it sort of it has its knockers. But yeah, some of my first stuff was on was on YouTube, and I think when you know I like oh, we so I, I love finding new talent, and it's sort of a great way of, of finding people. I go to London Short Film Festival and loads of different kind of short film nights and stuff to like look beyond just a theatre or a stand-up stage. We have the light in our office as well. We have interns who go, you know, they'll say, "Have you seen this person on Instagram?" And they do something really interesting with videos, and you sort of look at it, and that's part of our job as the development people is to go. Actually, if you took that, there might be something in it. So they might just have a really interesting voice you want to get in, and they might not have even thought about they would even want to do TV. So you can do that as well. Great question. Really, really brilliant. <laughs> um, uh, anyone else? Oh, shooting up now. Hi. Um, so in terms of introduction to other people, so not just the network, this is kind of like for everyone. If your end goal is to produce something as almost like a proof of concept that you want to then get introduced to, like, say, Netflix or Amazon Prime, would you be able to help with that process or is it purely films and to kind of go on to festivals? Am I confusing you? Oh. Are you talking about um, what sort of an, say an idea um, you've, you've... So, I guess this is more for the, for the ladies. Um, so, if you're... Because obviously you both said we'll try and help guide you through the process. Do you ever back anything that is mainly made as like a proof of concept? So, it might be a short, but yeah. you're then wanting to take it on to maybe be a series. Yeah. 
that exactly. then you're wanting to sell to Netflix, for instance. Will you be able to help with that relationship building side of it? Or is that mainly just the financial mm. and through the initial proof of concept stages? No, we would be able to fund you to create a proof of concept mm -hmm. to a certain degree, like up to about five grand or something like that. Okay. So that would include a pitch, your producer, the writer, kind of the packaging of a project. Uh, if you haven't written a film before, that's sure. sort of, it's more for writers. But what we won't do is be able to broker relationships with, right. with other financiers once you do that. That's sort of kind of what we expect the producer to do. But okay. at, at the same turn, the other guy, side of that coin is that we don't, expect you to then come and pitch it to us. You're free to pitch it to whoever you want to. Yeah, okay, cool, thank we, you. We, we do as part of, I think, our big talk and shiny button though, if you've got a proof of concept and you end up talking to us and we work it up with you together, what we do with people we're working with is then we go to the pitch together and go through that process with you, whether that's Netflix or Amazon or Channel 4 or anyone. So we work on some shows where we'll go if we found it outside of our sort of normal means or we haven't come up with it, mm -hmm. we'll go with that person and take them through it as part of development and then go to the pitch with them as well. That's very interesting. I might chat to you later. Thank you. <laughs> Do we have time for one more, David? Yes, yeah, one more. Okay, right. David's very much in control and having a panic attack at the back. Um, did you have a question? Just, yeah. <laughs> Hi there. Um, I think this question's really um, for Lara. Um, you mentioned that you like going to fringe theatre to see how writers can progress, but do you ever go out of London? Because I'm Birmingham-based, and I find it sort of very, very London-centric for a lot of things. Um, I go to Edinburgh Fringe. <laughs> um, no, just because I wish I had more time, but I'm doing three. We're very friendly in Birmingham. It's not all peaky <laughs> blinders, you know. When I'm something in North so come and see it when I'm in Manchester. But yeah, generally, I mean, yeah, it's, there are loads of production companies that are based in North. It might be worth reaching out to them and seeing who's in Birmingham. There's a huge hub of people up in Manchester, um, more and more so, actually. But yeah, generally, I just have to see shows nearer to home because there's so many other things going on, sadly. Okay, thanks. And that brings us to... Uh, oh, no, hold up. Another hand going up. I'm just making sure that no, we don't leave with any unfinished business. Oh, come on, mate. Hello, hey. afternoon. One, one last <laughs> question um, for, for the uh, British Film Fund. I just saw Aquarella at uh, Venice Film Festival, which I think was funded by... Did you by say Aquarella? Yeah. yeah. So essentially, it's a foreign project. So how did that get funded? Because the, the setting, the director, DOP, Russian... So. Part, a portion of our funding goes toward minority co-productions, which means that we, the UK is the sort of minority creative within that funding plan. So Aquarella, which is like a, a, an epic Koyana Stotsi film about water, it's really amazing. You should see it. It's great. Um, uh, is you know just a portion uh, funded by us, so it's not like a main, you know, multi so what is majority the percentage uh, of? whatever crew or is it a producer to you need to, to have a uk co-producer in order to act, to be able to access that funding okay. so and if it's a uk screenwriter yep that that, that could work okay. but we just need to for, but, for that but funding I, has still to need be like a working at world class level rather than working at a kind of new filmmaker level because you know they have their individual funds to kind of build those build those uh, talent up in their own kind of countries, I, th I think, is sort of the philosophy. So in the international space, we're looking at like more world-class level. Yeah, yeah, of course. All right, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um.
What do you reckon, David? <laughs> There's time? Yeah? Look at you, how cheeky you were there. Um, you got any questions? No, I'm served uh, there. Hello. Uh, I just wondered if you had, had anyone come along and they've managed to completely blag it. You know, they, have, they haven't really got a proper strip behind. That's pretty much my whole career, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've sort of, other than these two, like, you, you, they've ended up making the programme and then a couple of years later you found out that they just turned up and they were making it up as they went along. I don't, I don't so. think that... Well, I don't think... I think even when they do a job of, you know, seeming that that's the case, I think the, the best people have still thought something through about it. You know, it's not... I think that you very quickly... Well, when we said, if you suddenly being interrogated... You do get really interrogated about your ideas sometimes. And I think, you know, if you're a performer, it's probably slightly different, but I think most of the time, even the people that seemed like they're blagging it have actually thought about... Well, won it passionately and had thought it through. I think that's true. Mm. Um, I'm, I think Mary's got a story. I think, you know, there's a certain element of trust that has to happen at some point where you've asked all the questions, you've done all the notes, you've gone through all the process, and then you just have to go, I hope it's good. You know, how bad can it be? You know, so sometimes you get to the other end and they didn't know what they were talking about, but hey, you know, it's worth the risk. So we, we trade in risk, don't we? I mean, that's what we're doing. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much the whole essence of it. Um, oh, any blaggers you can think of? Uh, myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you in that camp. Um, I think some of it is actually. I think sometimes, I think when you're doing that sell, I mean, I think you've always got to have something behind it. But um, yeah, I, I, I think one of the things I love most is the variety of people that we have uh, have come in for, to us who, who sort of come from different backgrounds. And, and sometimes, yeah, I mean, as Mary says, you, you, we, you've got to take a risk, right? When, you know, for, for, for us as a company and, and for you guys and for the BFI, when you're laying down sort of thousands of pounds an idea, you, you sort of, you've got to look at someone in the eyes and just hope that they can do that. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit like a marriage, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes it just ends up miserably in divorce. Um, <laughs> 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 um, uh, I, I don't know. What a way to do it, like, on stage. No, we had a writer actually come in from, uh, she came from Leeds, and she had a, written a script, but we'd been working on an idea that needed a writer, and actually that was another interesting one, because we really loved her voice, but the project she brought to her wasn't right for us, but we said, look, can we tell you about this project we've got, which needs a writer, which then we had a few conversations, and she really loved that, and now she's writing that for us, and that was just from liking someone, but it wasn't the idea she brought to us, it was liking her writing and liking her. In short, get a good idea, mate, don't like <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> don't bring candy. Uh, I think also there's something to be said. When you're reading so many scripts a day, you can smell when a script is being like blagged. You can smell if it's not really based on anything. Yeah, truth. I think first page is is pretty telling, isn't it? First, mm. to, yeah, one to five pages. But um, okay, anyone else? Yes, my friend. Thank you. Um, me and my right partner here, we're, um, we're going to be filming next uh, month. And what we're a bit concerned about is for YouTube, it's just to showcase some of our writing. But um, our budget is that of a ham sandwich, and not a good one. Um, so I was just wondering about the quality, unless someone wants to come to Sheffield and help out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just wondering about the quality. Would that matter, or is it more about the writing? Or I think um, part of our job, I hope, I think it is, is you sort of, 
you're kind of like a magpie. You kind of look through a lot. You can you see so much that you know when you're just focused on the writing. Or I'll go in, or Tom will come to me and go, don't look at this bit, but just like watch this section or think about that voice. But I think that's sort of the people I said go to the right people. That's if it's for like comedy or scripted, our job is to kind of tune out a little bit and just think, is that writing good or is that good? That's what we are supposed to be good at, which we are, I hope. Don't, don't be too concerned about the quality. Just hope the sound's okay and you can hear yeah. the writing. The free bit is the writing. That's the bit that, you know, you, you only need you and your mate. And that's the bit that's going to speak volumes to everyone. And I think, uh, for me, I've... We, we got sent these, these couple of um, lads from, I think, well, up north. They did this thing about a boxer. It was hilarious. It looked awful, but it was hilarious. It was amazing. Now you, like, this is... So I think we, we can all look through that. But the thing that you can never excuse is if the writing's bad and it looks bad. Because the, the thing I can only talk personally is that I agonise over until it's the very moment that you're going on camera is, is this funny? Is this good? Am I, am I doing this story justice? And that's the, that's the stuff that you can be doing... You know what I was doing when I was driving to work scaffolding, or when I was coming back from the north and I've been doing stand-up. That's that's the bit that you can always be working on. So that's yeah. As long as the writing's good, mate, you're cushy. And when you look at a bit of it, you might put it all together and go, but actually that section is where we got it completely right. So you can send us sometimes go look. Here's a scene from it. Sometimes we do people write us scene samples, so we get to just see what your voice is. And Laura, obviously, you've commissioned that on. That the, the thing from YouTube oh, yeah. you're doing yeah, that? Yeah, check out just a couple. That's, yeah, wasn't, it was made on a shoestring with his sister and best mate. So, yeah, definitely. Thank you very much. Um, and where are we at, Dave? Oh, cool. There we go. Oh, no, we've got one more question. Should we just squeeze? <laughs> are you sure? No, 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 come on. We, we, If you were to go into a, a production company and say, here's all our comedy stuff, now we want to do this really twisted horror, would people kind of go, mm, I don't know? Is, yeah. is that, do you, um, as commissioners as well, do you kind of sort of say, this person's done a lot of horror, but yeah. Do people, did companies and writers get typecast, kind of? I mean, we're, we, we think we we're writing for Sky Atlantic yeah. is a drama. So we, and I think it's just our story telling is, is we, you know, we well, I think as you grow, we were saying, as you grow, you kind of, we tend to, we're not, we're not suddenly going to go, it's also, you have to be quite reasonable even when you run a company. So we're not going to go from not doing scripted comedy, which we're really good at, to suddenly doing a huge, massive drama for BBC One if we try. But we've gone through the process of starting to meet writers who, and writers who've written comedy who are growing and want to write dramas as well, but they know us. And so it's sort of, we've done that together. Also, big them. talker. Yeah. The one that they've, that you cover every ground now, right? Your sort yeah, of drama, got, comedy. Yeah, we've got a drama department as well as comedy, um, and even stuff on my slate are with drama, Channel Four, just depending on the project. So I think more and more, actually, the future of the industry is seeing those kind of walls break down a bit, and the lines between comedy and drama becoming more and more blurred. Um, and you can see so many, like the Williams brothers, Jesse Armstrong, loads of comedy writers go on to do drama. I don't think there's such a kind of box. Um, yeah, I, th I think we do take it into account, if in all honesty, but I think it's probably a one-way street because comedy is the hardest thing to write and you have to be like, like kind of genius level in order to engage a audience that way. So going from comedy to like drama feels like a an arc that we see very often. It's sometimes the other way around that it doesn't work so much. But I, I guess it's, I guess in production terms or like thinking about a project that has a director attached, we might think 
in all honesty, we might think about that. If someone's done five social realist dramas and now they want to do a horror, we would have an expectation that they would do a short or like show us that they understand the grammar of writing and directing in, in a very specific genre that delivers to a very specific audience. Because how else will we know you can do it, you know? I think for us as well, like we're looking at a director at the moment for a Channel 4 show and some the conversation has come up about looking at drama directors, but actually there's a need for directors and even DOPs to know where the joke is so they're not like filming over there and the joke's over there. So the proof of having that eye for comedy, I think, if you're going from drama to comedy is really needed. I'm yeah. No, no, that's, that, that's brilliant. That's that's exactly. I think it is. It's, it's such an important thing. I think that um, yeah, to get the comedy right. Okay. Um, well, thank you all for for, for coming along. Um, Laura, Mary, Andy. Um, thank you. Thank you, Beth. Have a lovely day.